back. I always enjoy coming here, especially on such a beautiful day like today. It's such a nice drive. Um, I am Pastor Tamar Eisenman. I think most of you are at least somewhat familiar with me. Uh, but in case you're not, my husband and I are Wesleyan pastors. I think I should just say from the beginning, I'm not candidating. <laughs> I imagine like everyone who comes and preaches now, that's probably the first thing you, you wonder. It's like, are they interviewing? I'm not. Um, but I was trying to think, I think the first time I was here was um, 12 years ago. My husband and I were planting a church in Mason, and Pastor Steve had us come and tell you all about um, that ministry. And many of you signed up to be prayer supporters and some financial supporters, and we were just really blessed by you guys. And um, I think you probably had us come back for an update once. And um, and then during his sabbatical, I came and did some pulpit supply. And I think I've been here about once a year since then, um, filling in in the pulpit when he was on vacation. So it is good to be back. I, I told you this last time. My husband and I are in Spring Arbor now. We're only about 20 minutes away. Our kids... I think the last time you saw them, they were about this big. Um, they're in middle school now. And we just feel uh, like we need to stay put until they graduate. And and let them finish out in their school that they're in and with the youth group that they're with. And um, so that's where we are. But at the same time, we're like, oh, man, we're only 20 minutes away. And if there's any way we can help you guys through this transition, we definitely want to do that. Um I have always just loved coming here. You, you're just such a wonderful, loving group of people. And you have blessed us. You have blessed my family. And you've invested in us. And I am more than happy to do the same for you. So I'm always glad to come back. Um, whenever I guest preach, it's always a little tricky trying to figure out what to preach on. I mean, when you're a senior pastor, you know your people. You know what's going on in their lives. You know the community. And you can take that knowledge before God and pray and and, and just discern what Bible passage to preach on and what message they want to hear. <clears throat> As a guest preacher, it's a little more tricky. Man, I'm already... I'm going to grab my water bottle. I think I left it down here. I'm traveling. <laughs> um it's always a little more tricky. So one of the things I like to do is use the Revised Common Lectionary. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's just a book that lists passages for preachers to preach on every Sunday. It ha- it's on a three-year cycle. And every Sunday it gives an Old Testament passage, a psalm, a, new, a gospel pa- passage from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And then a passage from one of the New Testament letters. And um, there's nothing sacred about it. It's not like divinely inspired. Um, but it is used by thousands of churches around the globe. Which means millions of Christians this Sunday are reading and studying those passages. And I just always think that's kind of cool. It helps remind me that I'm part of a larger church, that I have a larger church family out there. So that's what we're going to do this morning. If you wonder where I came up with these passages from, that that's where. Um, and we're going to use the passage that was listed for Psalms and the gospel passage from John, all right? So the Psalm passage is Psalm 118. And this is what it says. I don't have slides for everything, okay? But if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Psalm 118. 
or your cell phones. <laughs> Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. I'll just pause right there. Whenever I read scripture, I keep in mind, like, it's written by a particular author for a particular audience. The audience for this was Israel, right? But God's word is also eternal. And it's for all people of all time. And so sometimes to help me relate a little better, I'll put scripture, especially Psalms, in a modern context. And so I might read it something like this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let caring community say, his love endures forever. Let the house of, and that would be your household name. For me, it would be like, let the house of Eisenman. And I would think of my kids and my husband and, and our extend, extended family. Let the house of, but you can insert your own name. Let the house of, there you go, say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. When hard pressed, I cried out to the Lord. He brought me into a spacious place. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my help, helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And those, those two verses really hit me this week. As I, I was praying and thinking about you guys. The Ukraine has been in my mind a lot too. And thinking about that. And those verses really hit me. That it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans or to trust in princes. And I just see in the world today so many people, including myself sometimes, are just putting a lot of trust in human leaders. I don't mean just, you know... You like this leader and you support them and you hope they do well. But I mean a, a deeper, almost kind of religious trust and hope that people are putting in leaders. That if this leader is chosen or if this leader is elected, then then they'll be able to fix all these problems and, and my life will get so much better. And people are hanging their hopes on certain leaders. And if certain leaders aren't allowed to lead, then it's like, oh man, the while well, my mom would say, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, um, but whatever it is, uh, the economy or jobs or, or war or, um, you know, school boards is a big issue right now. And, and what's happening in our local schools. Whatever it is, we're just putting so much trust in these human leaders as if they can control all these things. And I see this not, us not only doing this, um, in politics, but as Christians, we even do this in our churches and in our homes. Sometimes we do this with um, nationally known Christian leaders that we listen to their podcast or they're on the radio or TV or we're reading their books or listening to the sermons. And we can put, we can say we're following God, but it is so much easier to latch on to a human leader that we can see. And they may even be a godly leader and, and a wise leader. 
but we can latch on to them. And then when they fail or they leave, we're shaken. And that's what happened to the disciples after Jesus died. That brings us to our next passage, the gospel pa- passage for today. It's, in, it's John 20. John 20, verse 19. This is the day after Easter, the day after Jesus rose again. John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with doors locked for fear of the Jews. I'm just going to pause right there. They were shaken. They were shaken. They had latched onto this human leader who they rightly discerned was good, was godly, was even the son of God. They had gotten that right. They weren't delusional. And so they put their trust in him and they followed him and they thought he was going to lead them to this better future. And then he dies. And now they are just shaken. They're, they're afraid. I think it's, it's hard for me to imagine how afraid they were. I mean, they had just watch their leader be tortured and executed. I I don't have a frame of reference for that. I've never seen or experienced anything like that. I, I can imagine how the Ukrainians feel right now. And if I imagine that, that gets me a little closer to probably how the disciples were feeling. But there was this intense fear of real physical danger. They're also in deep sorrow, right? Because they loved Jesus. He was their friend. And this was not um, a death that they were expecting. It was a shock. It was not a death where they could say, well, at least he didn't suffer. (sighs) I mean, this is watching someone you love die like the most horribly difficult way possible. They're grieving. I think maybe the most devastating fear they were grappling with is um, the fear of what if everything I thought I knew is wrong? You know, like what if everything I was raised to believe was just wrong? They, They were raised to believe that there was this Messiah coming who would save them. And there are all these signs and prophecies about who the Messiah would be. And Jesus fit all those prophecies. And then he died. And I can just imagine, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, if I got that wrong, what else could I be wrong about? Can I even trust my judgment? And you begin to feel yourself becoming unmade where they don't even really know how to make sense of their reality. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there, right? (laughs) This is what we celebrated last Sunday, that Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again. And so this is the next day. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. He knew all of that turbulence that was going on inside of them. Peace be with you. Verse 20. I think we have that slide. 
Yes, thank you. After he said this, he showed them his hands where he had been crucified. He showed them his hands and his side where the spear had been put in. You know, I think maybe they were wondering if they were seeing a ghost or something. So he made sure it was really me. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And, And this is interesting to me. This is really interesting. Because right away, Jesus, I mean, of everything that he could have done in that moment, right away he makes it clear, I am not here to stay. I am not here so you can resume following me. So you can resume following a human leader that you can see. That's not what I'm here for. And I I just want to be clear, this is a, a little bit of a side note, but when I say human leader, I want to be clear, as Christians we believe that Jesus was 100% God. He's fully God. He's also 100% human. It's just a a little bit of mind-bending. But we believe as Christians there's one God. There's only one God. And he exists as a love relationship between three persons. God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. There are three persons. They're not the same person. There are three persons. They are all three equally God. And their relationship is the one God. That's why we say God is love. Not that God is loving or he just loves sometimes, but he's literally love because God exists as a love relationship between three people. That's the God we worship. And so God, the son, we believe came to earth and became human. He didn't just like wrap himself up in a human skin. He actually limited himself to becoming fully human. So, you know, he had hunger pains just like we do. He needed to sleep just like we do. All of those things. He was fully human. So Jesus is fully human. He's fully God. So the disciples, they when they followed him, they're following God. But they're also following this human leader that they can see, that they can easily hear. That they, you know, can even touch. He becomes their best friend. And Jesus makes it clear that he does not return so they can continue following him like they used to. He comes to give them something better. The Holy Spirit. He comes to give them the Holy Spirit. And he gives them the Holy Spirit not just so the Holy Spirit can comfort them while they huddle together and grieve. He gives them the Holy Spirit so they can continue the mission without him, without his physical presence. I'll read it one more time. Verse 22. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. They are being sent to continue the mission. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And this got me thinking about what Jesus had done to prepare them for this moment. To prepare them for the moment where they were going to continue the mission without him. Without that physical human leader that they could see and talk to. 
How had he prepared them? I'm sure Pastor Steve, before he retired, prepared you. I'm sure there were a lot of things that he said and did to prepare you for the time when you would continue the mission without that one leader that you can call up on the phone, (laughs) right? And Jesus did the same for his disciples. So if you have, and he did it the night before he died. Um, If you have your Bibles, just, I would say flip over a few pages, but I don't think anyone here has a paper Bible but me. So in your cell phone, scroll, (laughs) all right? But scroll back to John chapter 13, all right? John chapter 13. That begins uh, the night before Jesus died, their last supper. John chapter 13. And John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 is everything he told them to prepare them at that last supper. He's like, I'm about to leave, guys. And it's everything he did to comfort them and to prepare them. And then in chapter 18 is when he gets arrested and it takes you through the end 20 where we just were. But... Those chapters, I hope this next week you just take time to read them. It's only a few pages. But there's some great stuff. We're just going to skim through it and hit the main themes, all right? We're not going to read every word of these chapters. But I wanted to go over just the main themes of them with you. So it, it starts in chapter 13, and they're eating the Last Supper together, their Passover feast. And some of you may remember this story. Jesus gets up. And he gets a basin of water and he washes their feet. And Peter's like, no, don't wash my feet. Like, I should be washing your feet, right? And Jesus says this to them. He says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He's giving them a visual, tangible example of how to serve and love one another. And then the dinner goes on, and he starts talking about how he's going to be betrayed, and everyone's like, it's me, is it me? And it's Judas, and Judas gets up and leaves to go betray Jesus. And then Jesus begins to tell them, okay, guys, this is real. I am really, really leaving this time. If you look in John 13, the same chapter... Verse 33. He says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, just as I told the Jews. So I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. And this was just a bomb drop for them. Peter's like, what do you mean where where you're going? You can't, Why can't I come? I'll go with you anywhere. I'll die for you, you know. They had devoted themselves to following Jesus. They loved him. It's hard for them to imagine what their lives are going to be like if they're not following him. Not only that, but at this point, they're a ministry that that ministers to hundreds of people. <laughs> like everywhere they go, there's crowds. And so I'm sure they're like, Jesus is leaving. Who's going to do the teaching? You know, like who's going to feed the, all those crowds that come? Who's going to answer the Pharisees? When the Pharisees come and make all those legal challenges, like who's going to stand up to the Pharisees? You know, how are we going to fund ourselves? The miracle worker's gone now. Donations are going to plummet. What are we going to do? You know, like there's just all these things that just begin to spiral in their heads. How are we going to keep this thing going? 
And Jesus, in that moment, he comforts them by making it very, very simple. He makes it very simple. He's like, okay, just don't worry about all that. Like, boil it down to the essence of this is what you need to know. The next verse, and we do have this one on the slide, I believe. Here we go. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That's it. It's very simple. He keeps it so simple for them. And through these next chapters, in 14 and 15 and 16, he's going to keep saying that to them over and over again. He's going to say, even though I'm physically gone, if you obey my commands, I will remain with you and you will remain with me. And my command is this, love one another. He says it again and again. And I read that and I just think, hmm, maybe Pastor Steve well prepared you. Maybe he well prepared you for this season. Do you know how to love one another? Yeah. Yeah, you do. And that's what it's all about. If you keep loving one another, your light is going to shine. People will know that you're Jesus' disciples. And Jesus tells them that. And there's one other thing that he tells them repeatedly in these chapters. He's like, I do not leave you alone. I leave you with the Holy Spirit. Check this out. In the next chapter, uh, verse Chapter 14, verse 15. He says this, If you love me, you will obey my command. What's his command? Love one another. Yeah. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Isn't that cool? Jesus was their counselor. And he's like, but God the Father is going to give you another counselor, and he will be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. For he lives in you and will be with you. Verse 25. He says it again. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. Don't worry about forgetting. The Holy Spirit's going to remind you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. And that's pretty much the end of chapter 14. And then he goes into chapter 15. Where he talks about the vine and the branches. And he over and over again, he says, if you obey my command, I will remain in you and you will remain in me and you will bear much fruit to my father's glory. You will bear much fruit. And this is my command. Love one another. He says it again. And then he tells them things are going to get tough and they're going to have opposition and obstacles. And that takes you through the end of 15 and then he says it again in chapter 16 he starts saying but don't worry i'm sending you the holy spirit we have this slide chapter 16 verse 5 
But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. Okay, my version's a little different than the version on the screen there. All right. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Did you catch that? It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Sometimes God takes away that human leader that we follow. Not because that, that leader has done anything wrong or they're a bad person or their time is up. They probably, you know, they might be a very good leader. They might be a great leader. They might still have a lot more to offer. But sometimes God removes that leader because we become too dependent on them. And God wants us to lean in and learn to depend more on Him. And He says, this is for your good. It's better. The Holy Spirit is better. I remember uh, when Eric and I went to plant the church in Mason. At that point, I had been a Christian for over 30 years. I had been a pastor for nearly 15 years. And I thought I was, you know, pretty good at praying and listening to the Spirit and discerning God's guidance in my life. But man... Planting that church got me so far out of my comfort zone. It, it, it took us away from our support network, right? And I had to learn to depend on God like I had never before. And I, I learned to pray like I had never prayed before. I learned to fast like I had never pr- fasted before. And my ability just to hear God's voice and his leading in my life, I grew so much. I'm still growing in that. But those years, those years were like a rapid onset growth spurt. <laughs> and learning to lean into the Holy Spirit, both the Spirit's guidance and the Spirit's power. There's something much better than a human leader for us to follow. There's something much better than a godly, wise human leader. It's the Holy Spirit. And we have him. You have him. He's in you. And uh, next week, we're going to dive into John chapter 16. So I hope you have a Bible of some sort with you next week, all right? But we're going to dive in, because that's where he breaks down exactly what the Holy Spirit does How do we listen to the Holy Spirit? Next week is going to be a very practical message where you're going to get definite tips of, you know, like how can I tell the difference between my thoughts and what the Holy Spirit's telling me? How do I do that? So it's going to be very practical next week. But this week, I just want to encourage you, you're not alone. You are not alone. You know, I'm sure this season, there's mixed emotions, right? There's grieving because you miss the shafes. There's also some other grieving going on. There's probably some apprehension. But I hope there's also some growing excitement. Because this is a new day. And God has great things in store for you. You know, God loves this church more than anyone else loves this church. 
He does. He loves this church more than the shapes. He loves this church more than you guys do. And he has got you guys. Jesus says, I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Jesus has got you. And just like God sent them, sent the disciples, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he is still sending you guys, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And just like the disciples, man, their mission was so far from over. <laughs> it was so far from over. They were just getting started. And I think the same is true for you guys. Just like the disciples, you're going to go on to do greater and greater things. But that's going to require leaning into the Holy Spirit and learning to depend on the Spirit's guidance and depend on the Spirit's power more than you have in the past. And so I think this season is going to be a season of growth and, and maturity for you guys. And even as it's a season of grieving, and it can sometimes be a chaotic season, it can be very sweet too. And I think back of our time in Mason. Um, I think about how many times I, I was scared because I had like no idea. No idea how we're going to pay bills. No idea what we're doing, you know, like. And sometimes it was very stressful. But it was also very sweet. I remember all those prayer walks I used to do with the Lord. And how I just learned and he encouraged me again and again it's a very sweet time and i believe that time is for you guys where you are going to draw closer to god and he is going to draw closer to you and you're going to see and feel the holy spirit encourage and guide you and empower you in ways you have not felt in the past i absolutely believe that is your future, and that is your now. So let's pray. Let's pray. And then next week, I'll come back and we'll talk more practically about how to lean into the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you do not leave us as orphans. What you said in your own words, that you do not leave us as orphans, and you do not give as the world gives. No, you give better. You give better. And I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Heavenly Father, I just pray you will help us lean into the Holy Spirit who is inside of us. So often, we, it's so much easier to pay attention to what we see and, and what we audibly hear. But I pray you'll help us lean into that still small voice of the Spirit inside of us and learn to listen like we have never listened before. I pray, God, that you will help us depend not on our own strength, but on your strength and your power and on the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And I thank you that our future is bright with you. You are good and you are faithful and you are f faithful to complete the work you have started in us. We thank you for this promise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.